This is the Kingdom Link Podcast. Wherever you are, whatever your age, no matter your calling, we invite you to join the Kingdom Link. Now let's get connected with a brand new podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Kingdom Link Podcast. My name is David Gill, and I'm the host of Kingdom Link, and also along with my father, Tim W. Gill. We both serve as pastors here at Medora Pentecostal Church at our home church, with Dad being the senior pastor. And if this is your first time to this episode or to this podcast, we want to introduce you to Kingdom Link. This is an idea that was kind of birthed between the two of us. We had a calling and a burden to really want to help bridge the gap in leadership and in ministry uh, from young and old because we believe that kingdom leadership only matters if it's passed on. And so the reason we do this podcast is to help you pass it on to each and every generation. So, we are in the middle of a series called Kingdom Strategies, using old tactics to help us get new victories. And so, if this is your first time to this series, and you've just clicked on this episode, we highly suggest going back, listening to our earlier episodes, while we dive deep into Revelations chapter 2, where John is writing about the seven churches of Revelation, because we are getting our tactics from that chapter. So, beginning at Ephesus, we used Ephesus, then we talked about Smyrna, and now we are on the episode for Pergamum, Victory Over Compromise. I'm excited, David, about this particular episode. Uh, If you have been listening and following with us, we have tried to just go deeper and deeper into the culture of these churches and the situation. Uh, There's three things that is... uh, readily available in every every letter that Jesus wrote to these seven churches, and that is he gives a presentation of who he is, he reveals a problem in the church, and he reveals a promise for those that overcome. And so no greater roadmap can I see that's about overcoming and problem handling than the, the seven letters to the church of Revelation. You know, if you listen to this podcast for the first time, as you said, David, um, uh, we encourage our listeners to go back and listen to older episodes of our podcast because we do interviews with others. Uh, we we also uh, talk about leadership. We talk about ministry. And I'm really excited to talk Bible. Absolutely. From one generation to another. Right. Because the Bible is generational. Yeah, and it's also our job. So, <laughs> Well, that's who we are. It's who we are, and it's what yes. we're called to do. And I'll tell you what, with this series that we've been in with victim uh, victim sorry, Kingdom Strategies, had a brain fart moment there, but with Kingdom Strategies, what really is inspired me and intrigued me and really caught my interest is that I've read that chapter yeah. lots of times. I'll never say I understood it because Revelation could be a hard book to understand sometimes. True. And this is going to be another plug, uh, Bishop Walls' commentary on Revelation. Go to Amazon, get it. It'll be in the notes because this yeah. will help you tremendously. But I've read this chapter in Revelation 2 talking about the seven churches, and it's one of those chapters where it's going to easily gloss over because you learn about them. But this series with diving deep and understanding the culture mm-hmm. and then like what this whole premise for this series is, is old tactics, new victories, and you're seeing how the culture ties into today, yes. it's staggering. It and is. it makes it so much more impactful 
to see, oh, what's the context yes. of what's going on around, not just what happened in the chapter before and the chapter after or even the book before, but what's going on in the world? What was yeah. the history going on there? And so that's why I've been so thankful with this series. And one thing, too, is that if you're listening to this, stay tuned because we go throughout each episode, each church, we do dive deeper right. to try to uh, ascertain how that old devils mm-hmm. redress themselves in new culture. Right. The Bible speaks about the God of this world. That doesn't mean the God of the globe. It means the God of an age. Mm-hmm. The devil uses the same spirit, the same kind of attacks, just dresses them differently. Absolutely. And what we had in per- what we have in Pergamon and the study here to the letter of the church that was there in Pergamon. It's like reading what is happening in our culture today and what we're seeing on the news, what we're seeing in our our our, our America, what mm-hmm. we see across the world. And so we're gonna dive deep into this. I I I, I always think, well, man, this is the best one that, <laughs> yeah. that we've been able right. to study. Um, you wanna know about how to deal with suffering, go back to the last one. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanna you wanna talk about uh uh, how to not have how to overcome apathy? Go back and look at and listen to Ephesus. Right. But tonight uh, we're going to be diving into the church at Pergamon. Right. So, with all that being said, we're diving deep into Pergamon. Now, I want you guys to wherever you're listening, just take give me 10, 15 seconds of your time, close your eyes, and just picture this: picture living in a time when there was enormous pressure to accept modern-day culture, and to face great persecution and pressure if you did not. Mm. They're attacking you. They're wanting you to embrace what they say. Consider living in a day when government was oppressive and demanding. They would say things like, follow our rules or face our consequences. Do what I say or you will Mm. die. Do what I say or you will be thrown to the lions, what have you. What if you lived in a period where... The universities and your schools demanded acceptance, not of knowledge, but of their opinion. Their theory. of Their theory. Yes. They said, what we say goes, mm-hmm. and what we say is truth. Yeah. Think about living in a time where coexistence of religions and the bleed over of paganism is the accepted norm. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is that, oh, you believe that every religion we're all going to end up in the same place. Yeah. That all of these, it doesn't matter what you believe or what I believe. It's all going to end up good, you know, butterflies and rainbows, what have you. It's kind of sounded familiar. It does. It's kind of sounding like a a culture that we're having today. Well, this was the culture of Pergamum. Mm -hmm. Compromise is a persistent nagging problem that believers face today. The letter to Pergamum provides a kingdom strategy, strategy to be victorious over compromise. That's what we're talking about tonight. And that's that's what the goal is. Yes, yes, uh, and and I think that compromise is a major um, issue among church today, especially truth believing, Bible believing, Christ central uh, types of of believers that you know take the scripture as being the divinely inspired word of God. We are facing an age that Paul wrote about where apostasy would be prevalent. 
that is compromise. And, and we want to attack that head on tonight in this study and discussion of the church, the Pergamon. Pergamon is the proper pronunciation of what we see in the King James's Pergamus. It is one of the most beautiful cities. It was one of the most beautiful cities in the ancient world situated in modern Turkey. Pergamon itself means height or elevation. It was a city that towered above others in power and authority, according to Hitchcock in his book, Pergamus. Pergamon represents the pinnacle of human advancement, achievement, and education. The same spirit that exalted Baal, Babel rather, to exalt Babel to build a tower to the sky is the same spirit behind Pergamum that wanted to lift its influence and power in government. And it influenced this city to worship men as gods, to worship people as gods. Paul Ellis writes a great book on the seven letters, and he says this, These self-made gods embodied the satanic desire to ascend to the highest, where Isaiah said, speaking of Satan and Lucifer, where he declared, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars. I will sit upon the mountain of the congregation in the sides of the Lord. I will ascend. And this was the mentality of Pergamon. I want to know more than anybody. I want to have more than anybody. I want to elevate my status and my 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 personhood above any and every. My opinion will be the best. Right. My opinion will be the highest. My knowledge will be the highest. And and um, so Pergamon was was a place where where education and government was very important. Now Pergamon wasn't as commercially successful and significant as the the churches we just got through studying Ephesus was wealthy uh Samira uh Smyrna was a wealthy place we studied those but Pergamon was a city of great power an early uh Roman writer by the name of Pliny the Elder says this that Pergamon was by far the most famous city in Asia it was a place where all the main roads of Asia converged it was a city that you can boil them down to three primary areas of influence that they had. Religion, politics, and education. Mm-hmm. And they interwove these three concepts and areas of influence to exert their pagan beliefs and worship. Right, And that sounds like today, for we find that a lot of the st- same people that are are messed up in their politics that is antichrist in their politics mm-hmm. antichrist in their or their religion they're antichrist in their education as well right well it's interesting to see that we compare it to modern day america or this modern day world mm-hmm. and this country for so many years speaking on america was founded in tried to follow judeo christian values right they tried to file, uh, follow morality. But then in recent decades, when they have pushed that away, mm-hmm. and you look at modern culture now and the agenda that's trying to be pushed, we like to blame media. Media is just a tool. Just a tool. All, all media, doesn't matter what letters that you get from the news. That's CNN, true. 
or Fox News or what whatever have matter. you. It does not matter. It's all just a tool being used by someone that's not right. But all of those three things, religion, politics, and education, are all things that the enemy is using right now. Right now, yes. And w- when I say religion and when we speak on religion, sometimes we get a construed conception of religion that what we believe as oneness, Pentecostals, us as apostolics, that that is a religion. That is not a religion. No. I do not follow a religion. Right. I believe that the Bible is not a religious book. No, it isn't. It's a government book. Yes. It is it is a constitution that I follow. Yes. It's a it's the king's mandate. Yes. It, it is like a king's manual. Yeah, it's 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 you know, our our Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world. Exactly. And so uh the word of God is not of this world. It's not just about the printed page. It's not just mm-hmm. about okay, you know, can we prove is this verifiable and all that. Mm-hmm. It has been and there's a lot of things that we could say about the word of God being being authentic. But we have to look at it not as a religion because religion is basically man's definition of what God is. Religion pigeonholes what God's trying yeah, to it, do. It, it is man defining. Religion is, it was found in Israel when they built the molten calf. Mm-hmm. They were defining because here's what right. they said. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And then they said, "Let us make a god so that we yeah. can worship." Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna redefine in, in religion. The problem with religion is that it defines God in a way that comes from man's view, right? And man will never be able to define God because how do you define the undefinable? Exactly. We could define his characteristics, yeah, but I can't define de- define God. Well, that's where you either start from the the point of the Word of God is true, Mm -hmm. and that's where we learn about God, right? or man then defines God as he wishes. Well, my problem with that is that we are set apart. We take this Word Mm -hmm. in its whole to be true and to be completely right. We don't take verses out. We don't put things in. And so when we say that what we believe is a religion, mm-hmm. we're putting ourselves in the same categories as paganists, mm. is what I believe. And and I think you're onto something there. And speaking of pagan religions, man, mm-hmm. Pergamon was eat up. Exactly, with. exactly. It, it was known as the city of temples. So the agenda that they were pushing in Pergamum, again, just think of what's going on in Pergamum. You could tie it to what's going on today. They were used those three things, religion, politics, and education. Mm-hmm. And the enemy was using each of those things to show his power, which yes. Pergamum was known for. Yes. And the first being religion. If It would just blow your mind to see how many pagan gods were being worshipped in per- Pergamum. Right. Because, you know, in Ephesus and Smyrna, we, we had one, maybe or two, that were being worshipped at the time. That were the major ones. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But this one, Pergamum, was known for having many idol worship. Mm-hmm. It was literally, it was uh, nicknamed the Mecca of many religions. Mm-hmm. You know, we had those of Zeus, 
of course, a lot of us hear that one. That's that's a common one that's known. Zeus, mm-hmm. he had this huge temple and altar was built to him, and it was called the throne of Zeus because mm-hmm. Zeus was known as the king of gods. Mm-hmm. Animals were offered to his sacrifice, and their meat was then sold to a market. You had uh, Demeter, which was the goddess of harvest. Right. So they would sacrifice to her to get good crops. Uh, they believed that if you worshipped her, you would never be hungry. There was also Athena, who was the goddess of wisdom. Yes. She would help you in all things and understanding, would tell you what to do and how mm-hmm. to know what to do. There was Di- Dionysus, mm-hmm. which was the god of wine and festivities. Well, this is the one I think we're going to dig a little deep into. So this was the god of partying. Partying, yeah. drinking, who was the, yeah, it was the yeah. it was the equivalent to the Roman god of of Bacchus, the which was the representative of wine and madness. Yeah, so they worshipped as the mask god of theater. Yeah, it was that they be, they believe that uh, Dionysus, I believe is how you pronounce it, mm. would. I didn't uh, get my Greek scholarship. There. Yeah, well, me neither. But Dionysus was would would wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that were, was worshiping in their festivals and the temples of Dionysus would wear masks, and they actually look at at this as being the th- because he was the god. Uh, Dionysus was t- to be the god of wearing masks as a part of his worship and his ritual, and that's where he was also known as the god of theater because the actors and actresses would put on masks. Right, they would change who they are. They would change who they are. Listen to that. Uh, but they would wear masks as part of their worship. And wearing a Dionysius mask was believed to elevate one to the state of uninhibited ecstasy. Right. You know, it was the god of get drunk, have fun, and party until you drop. Mm-hmm. It was that idea of, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care yes. what anybody thinks. I'm going to have my way. I'm going to live this life while I can yes. and just have fun. And and Dionysus is more than just the god of wine and good times. He's the only god. We did some research on this and dug in a little bit deeper. He's the only god who's distinguished by his association with females, both in myth and cultic practice. Um, there, is, there was a weird relationship between Dionysus and his priestesses. Which I want to just interject real quick here. Okay. So for the past two episodes, the past two largest pagan idol worship has been to goddesses. Yeah, female been deities. Been to females. Yeah. And I find it interesting that the main one here is uh, Dionysus, mm-hmm. a male god, mm-hmm. being majorly worshipped by females. Yeah, females. And, it, and, it, and if you study it, uh, Dionysus was not like the other gods that was perverted and and was having mm-hmm. sexual relations with these women he had a weird relationship because Dionysus was presented as both male and female right he was fluid he was fluid Dionysus was transgendering if you don't mind using that word and so when, when you look at this I come across uh, one quote from a a McClure who wrote about Dionysus said Dionysus unique association with women also placed him within a larger context as a God 
who has come to represent a union between gender roles, violence, and drama. Mm. Dionysus does not simply mix up or blur gender roles. Rather, this God draws out the feminine as the source of his power. Mm. Can I just stop and say, this spirit is at work today. Absolutely. Because... And we talked about this on other episodes, but there is such an emasculation of men today that men are to be brought down, you know, to where they need to. You, you, don't be a strong male. Don't be a strong father. Don't be a strong man. Uh, you know, like like a fireman who runs in the fire. It's that courage. Don't be a man of courage. Don't be a man of strength. And I realize there is true uh, toxic males out there in men that are messed up. But it's amazing that they are decrying that this spirit works in this area, and that is to, to shout against men for their aggressiveness and power, but exalts women and explains that they should be aggressive and powerful. Right. It's, it's such a switching. A, it, well, it's a, of such roles. a double standard. It is. Because at that point, if we believe this. Dionysus and what he is saying. He yeah. is a man saying everything that I am is yeah. wrong. This toxic masculinity, it's yeah. wrong. And then gives that same thing that he is saying wrong mm-hmm. and wants to give it to the women. Well, and 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 what's what's really weird is that Dionysus had these women around him and they were called by certain names and one of them was they were a nurse. Hmm. He was getting his power from these women. And some of those women were actually transgendering themselves. Mm-hmm. And so here you have back in this particular time of history would be about 30 uh, BC, somewhere in the first century BC before right. Christ. This is the spirit that is going on. What happens? Christ shows up. And immediately the gospel is at war Mm -hmm. with that demonic force. Do not think for a moment that we are at war with the people. No, we We are not against flesh and blood. We are at war with the spirit, Mm -hmm. the demonic force that is bringing this same mentality and idol worship, pagan worship to the forefront. And it's just staggering to look back and see, okay, hundreds of years, thousands of years ago, Mm -hmm. this was going on, and now it's coming back. It happened, this blows my mind, it happened before Christ came the first time. Which is insane. So that means, could this be that it's happening again before before Christ comes the next time. Mm-hmm. And this time he comes back, he does not come back as a babe in a manger. Nope. He comes as a king right. riding on a white horse right. and and the word is coming out of his mouth and he destroys Babylon and he destroys, you know, the beast and the false prophet and he mm-hmm. puts them at, you know in the lake of fire and this is this is amazing when you begin to say, "Hey, this is how God's moving." Right. And we're living in that. Mm-hmm. Well, and what you see is that with 
the goddesses that we spoke on before. And yeah. again, we're going to be referencing past episodes a lot because they're tied together. This is all this is all in the same chapter. Yeah. These are verse after verse that we're going through. Yeah. And so but seeing that in the past episodes, the the goddesses and even now in uh, Dionysus, what all do they have in common? They're a hundred percent rejecting what God is. Yes. And what order he placed. And his, and they're rejecting his original plan. Exactly. In earlier episodes, it was sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. It was uh, the unloving of the, the lost. Yeah. And so then we see that God had an order. Love me and love others. That's what Jesus defined all laws under those two. They all come under that. Exactly. Yeah. So love me and love others. So then in in Ephesus, in the first episode, we saw that the goddess went against that. And then in, in Smyrna, we see that it was sexual impurity. And a lot of times we like to think that if you're, the only sexual impurity is that you are a homosexual. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sexual impurity in a heterosexual relationship. Absolutely. If it's not in God's order and yes. plan, then it's sin. It is. Because sin is exactly the opposite of what God has placed. Yes. Where God places order, sin brings disorder. Well, that's that's why the, the scripture uses the word confusion. Mm-hmm. For perversion. Right. Perversion is, is rendered confusion because confusion is something that's out of order. Right. And so then you start, to, it's almost, if you can, it's almost like you're seeing the slippery slope mm-hmm. starting in Ephesus. Mm. And it's progressively getting worse. It's getting worse. In, in, in our human eyes. Of course, yes. God sees all sin as sin. Yes. But you see, it's starting with the the lack of love to a lost, dying world. Then it's sexual impurity. Now, it is transgenderism. It is gender roles being flip-flopped. It mm. is completely dissecting what God built and changing yep. the DNA of it. And, and this is what the church at Pergamon is facing exactly, and you know, uh, if if I can, I want to only share with you a couple more things that I come across in research. Um, Dionysus is distinguished as one divinity who is shrouded in gender ambiguity. One writer says, in his myths, such as uh, Bacchi, he is regarded as a son, and also constantly described as a as feminine in appearance. And dress. Hmm. What do you think was behind that? Well, and you see it. I can't tell you how many videos and, and, and posts I've seen mm-hmm. of, I'm putting this in quotations for our listeners, but pastors and preachers yeah. in other denominations mm-hmm. saying God is a woman. God is not a man. God is them because he has no gender. Yeah. Well, then they, they just said God he has no gender. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not making their own sense. We, it, it, and this, but then you see that on their garb, they have a rainbow sash. Yeah. And then we've just now seen, I, I believe it was in a Methodist church, where they had a drag queen preaching their sermon. Yeah. You're seeing this mess. It, it's it's right there. It's no longer it, hidden. Even if they don't know the whole truth, Yeah, they're still trying to seek God. But now that mess has gotten in their church. 
and and and, and it's perverted. Another thing about Dionysus is that another another uh, writer wrote about this in 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 the research. One thing that is clear is how when the posse mm. that posse is his women entourage. Mm-hmm. When that posse arrives, Dionysus and his women, followers, that is, violence begins. Right. The, What's a common I, denominator? Well, you know, and and I'm I'm gonna this is an episode, let me just put this disclaimer for our parents that may be listening and small children of the year, you might wanna move them on to a few minutes later. Yeah. But like him or not, when Donald Trump was elected, mm-hmm. the transgender world went into psychotic anger. Yes, they did. Okay. Into a frenzy. Into a frenzy. You know, and we can talk about the march that the women had and the the, the ungodly attire that they had on portraying themselves. Now, these women that did this, I doubt very many of them, many of them really knew what was behind it. But it's the entourage of Dionysus that rises up and has become violent. Well, here's the thing. And pushing forward with that. Here's the thing. When it came down to we, all of of us, those in church, those out of church, everybody knows that when COVID came, a spirit of fear rose in the country, rose all over the world. Yeah. And people acted out of that fear. Yeah. Of course, we had, and we're just going to speak plainly and correctly here if I can yeah. then instances like the George Floyd case came up yes. and then we had you know this masked or unmasked vaxxed or unvaxxed and, and then we had this race issue so there was just so much fear and that caused an uprising and that fear was like a like a match that lit violence mm-hmm. I do not uh, you know in no way do we want to come across like we're trying to say we approve of 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 any kind of violence against anyone you know, from the police force or from, for those that are protesters, that's not God's plan. That's not God's will. That's not Christian, Mm -hmm. but it is there. A lot of that was the influence of this same demon. Right. Well, well, what I was trying to get at is that it's a spirit that causes that. Yes. Whenever there is uprising and, and protest and, riots and, and, violence. and violence there is yes. a spirit that brings it yes in 2020 it was fear yeah fear brought that yeah in pergamum in 30 bc yeah it was a spirit that was brought by dionysus yes and all of the worshipers and and you know j- just a couple more things about this and then we're going to move off it or we could stay here all night talking about this let me just say go do some research mm-hmm uh, there is an incredible book that is out right now uh, from Jonathan Kahn on when God's return. Uh, you might want to read it with the lights on mm-hmm. and your knees on the uh, floor praying because we're seeing the rise of the spiritual uh, attack that is today. But anyway, another place that I read this, and this is not all coming from the Christian sources. This is coming from sources that are pro-pagan, mm-hmm. okay? This is what is said. Dionysus is a god who is all about total acceptance. Huh. I've heard that before. And listen to this. And will administer brutal vengeance, I'm quoting, to those who resist. I've seen that before. But more importantly, 
the, the, the violent part of this shows that the common thread linking Dionysus both to drama and wine is that the god, Dionysus, created in his worships a state of ecstasy. Hmm. The, the, the fact is that, that this worship wants to bring people to a state of, 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 of intoxication. intoxication. And I, there's a reason why a lot, the vast majority of Hollywood, and you go back and you study Hollywood. It's it, never been clean. It's never been clean. It, even in the early stages, the, the perversion, the sexual practices. Yep. And I applaud those people that are people of faith that have started things like pure flicks and mm-hmm. different things that they have done. I thank God for uh, those that are, are doing like they're the doing chosen. their heart they're, hardest you to. Know, they're trying to bring something pure and clean, but the majority of this goes back to that spirit that's operating in this, the diet of Dionysus in the early part of the BC uh, and 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 then later on, when Paul and all of them were were working a hundred years later, two hundred years later, still going on. Right. And uh, go ahead. if if I can, what I just really stood out to me is so it, it was called the Bacche. So that was his yeah. violent posse of women. Yeah. What I find so interesting is Dionysus could not do this by himself. Mm. He had to have an entourage. He had to have an entourage. Is that not unlike Satan himself? Yeah. Satan could not do anything. Yeah. He can't do anything in this world but try to, to manipulate and tempt yes. the people on this world yes. to do his acts. Yes. That's so, so common with that. Yes. Is that an enemy spirit, an enemy tactic cannot... And does not have any power by itself. It's got to have a driving force with it. Mm-hmm. Ah. One other thing, then we'll move on off of this. But um, Dionysius is celebrated for passing on this 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 spirit of ecstasy to his followers. Where we see that in the drug culture mm-hmm. as well. Any part taking in his, in his possession procession uh, he passes that on you're going to worship me i'm going to pass this on to you because of this freedom so-called female characters associated associated with dionysus often transcended traditional gender roles expected in the fifth century so this is a while after a while after they're still doing this same worship same thing and we're seeing it rise today mm-hmm. and come lord jesus right come well and, and here that's that's not all yeah so augustus caesar established the state religion of emperor worship right we've talked about yes. that earlier pergamum was chosen to be the headquarters <laughs> that makes sense we, yes i know we've been talking about dionysus a lot but we yes. also mentioned all those other pagans sure so other they, gods, yeah, that were they, there. They, they just decided that this was, and then they even built a temple right around this same time of 30 BC. Yes. And, and it, it is the worship of the state 
that is at the heart of the message of the beast in Revelation. In chapter mm-hmm. 13, right, verses 12 through 15, the mark of the beast relates to the worship of the state. It is the common mind and thought process of what's going on yeah. in the state. It's, it's, it's government and worship being connected. We often hear about, you know, separation of church and state. Well, you know what? There is no separation right now between secular humanism and government. Right now, there that's, is no separation between state and religion. Yeah. And again, that goes back to what we were saying just a couple minutes ago. Yeah. Because the devil's working in all his avenues. Sure he does. And, and religion as it is, he's working in. And, and then he marries it with religion, politics, and education. Right, which leads us to our next phrase, or our next uh, part of this, which is politics. Politics. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> Pergamon... Of course, of course, the Romans, they were great with politics. You know? They were. Uh, you know, Rome was known as the capital of... Uh, which would be eastern... Uh, the eastern part of Roman Empire. Pergamon was the capital of the western part of the Roman Empire. It was the official capital of the province for two centuries and a half so that its history as the seat of supreme authority over a large portion of, of the Roman Empire lasted for about four centuries. It's a long time. So you got political power and you got religious deception mm-hmm. working hand in hand. I like what uh, Pastor Drew uh, Karshner made in, in his observation about Pergamon. He said, if Ephesus was the New York City of Asia, then Pergamon was the Washington, D.C. Mm. No, it, that, it, that just drops it does. reality in. It does. You know, when you go back and study Ephesus, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a great big port oh, city. Yeah. It was it's huge, wealthy. And wealthy, a lot of stuff going on. alive, and all these cultures come into one spot. But Washington, D.C., Pergamon, mm-hmm. education, religion, it, And politics. not just when you research Pergamum or you research yeah. Ephesus or Smyrna, or, but when you study how Rome did their politics, then you start to understand how much perversion yes. was woven inside their politics. Yeah. And, and, and God has pulled back the cover. I know a lot of American politics has been corrupt for years. But I see God pulling back the cover, oh, and we are seeing. And then you got this side. You got the left that is saying blah 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 blah, and you got the right saying blah 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 about their guy. Right. And the Lord is just saying, "Okay, here's the spotlight. This is going on. That is going on." Mm-hmm. And 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 God shows that um, that reality. Right. But um, well, I, no matter how you stand, again, we're on this earth. We fill our roles while we're on this earth. But wherever you stand politically, what I am thankful of right now mm-hmm. is that with our common or with our current leadership, that God is pulling back the curtains. Yes. That we're seeing a lot more than what our leadership is telling us that we're yeah. seeing. And, and and it's scary. And it shows you what kind of vile and evil things are going on in this country that were hidden from us for and, a lot of years. And it never ceases to amaze me when when the news media goes all ballistic because a, a politician lied. Wow! 
duh. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty common. But anyway, it's like corrupt, yeah. Well, that's just like people going all up in fits because so and such celebrity broke up with another and got divorced or had an affair. <laughs> oh, really? Someone who pretends to be other people. Yes. Yeah, whatever. But anyway, Dionysius put a mask on. Yeah. So so Rome was the central power in the eastern portion of the Roman Empire, and Pergamum was Rome's main extension to authority in the west. Mm-hmm. So it was Rome trying to grow. Basically, and Pergamum was the next headquarters. So Pergamum was was the seat of power, right? Right. In that hour, and so with that, that leads us into from religion to politics, and now to education. Education. Now we've we've said this before. Education and that idea of knowledge, because what was it that Satan used to tempt Eve in the garden? Yeah. It was knowledge. I'm going to give you more knowledge than, mm-hmm. you know. Because then you'll be the, like gods yeah. if you eat of this fruit. And what was the fruit off of the tree of? The knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. And so go. that's what Eve was wanting. Yeah. It, but, or I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. <laughs> Pergamum had a library containing almost 200,000 volumes. Second only to the library at Alexandria. So right now. Education. At this time in, in 30 BC, this is the Mecca. Yeah. Of education. Yeah. King uh, Ptolemy of Egypt was miffed by the new library, so he banned the export of Alexandrian papyruses. Yeah, and and it, when you hear the word uh, papyrus, that word is not a common word known, but that's, that's, what, one. That's, that's, that's what they use. It's the material they use to write books and scrolls. Right. Right. Uh, you know, basically, what that means is no papyrus means no new books. Right. It was like, no, we are halting this. It's because he was he was jealous of the of the library there. Right. In, right. And uh, so Pergamum. the king who who built the library in Pergamum devised a method for riding on the untanned hides of sheep and goats. So apparently, he invented parchment. He invented paper. Yeah. Basically, the Latin word for parchment is derived from the name of Pergamum, even. So why is that important? Why is that? Why it's, do you guys care? Crucial. Why do you guys care? Yeah, you know, papyrus. You know, when, and whenever parchment. we're studying this, when we're looking at yeah. this, I like. Why do I care who invented paper? <laughs> we're hardly even using it anymore. Yeah. So why is this important? Well, the early New Testament manuscripts were written on parchment, not papyrus, not papyrus, including the letters to the seven churches. Yes, I'm getting excited. But in the early manuscripts would have been written on Egyptian papyrus, they would not have survived. Mm. No parchment, no Bible. So God was working in the midst in the middle of all of this. He uses Pergamum. A, he uses a pagan city yeah. to prepare his word. He's like, all right, I got this idiot in here, right? Yeah. I got this idiot in leadership. Mm. I can use the idiot. <laughs> Even though he's going to make paper, I got old... John over here, who's going to put pen on that paper yes. and, and, and write something important. Vincent describes Pergamum as this, and I quote, as a sort of union of a pagan cathedral city. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. A university town and a royal residence embellished during a succession of years by kings who all had a passion for expenditure and ample means of gratifying it. So we would say then Pergamon is a university town? Mm. And a government town. Yeah. That's 
That's, that's a that's deadly duo right there. That's crazy. So the city was celebrated for its healing ointments. So you have education and medicine mm-hmm. together. Okay. Right, right. And so the worship of Aslespius. I'm trying, Dad. You're doing good. I'm trying. Aclepus. Aclepus. There you go, Aclepus. There's an I in yes. there, though. Aclepius. <laughs> I'm from Medora. I, I, I have to let something out here. I went and looked that one up. So I that's not fun. <laughs> pronounce here, it. Here, right. I'm going to give you guys my tips for Old Testament reading. Yes. If you say, and this is a lot of how I how I manage my life, is that if you say it with enough confidence, people <laughs> believe you. But the problem is when you're preaching. Yes. And you're trying to say uh, a name. And you've got to say it multiple times. I'll say the same name three different ways. Exactly. But I'll say it with confidence. <laughs> but there's somebody out there that's catching it. There is. Well, usually it's your wife. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Anyway, so their place of healing was a temple to a pagan god, right? Pagan priests use hallucinogens to heal people. This ties back to that experience Drugs. of ecstasy. Yes. So the medicine would cause a person to fall asleep, and snakes would crawl over you. To help heal you. Now, this is this is interesting. However, uh, here here they would worship the form of a living serpent. So then you think education and medicine. All right, what is the sign for medicine? Mm-hmm. Right, it's the staff with serpents mm-hmm. swirling up it. Yeah, and the reason that they use that that ties us back into the book of. Exodus, yes. when Moses is in front of Pharaoh and mm-hmm. he lies the rod down and mm-hmm. then it turns into a snake yeah. and then he picks it up again and it turns back into a rod and then you have Pharaoh's sorcerers throw down their snakes. Yeah, And so that ties us into with that education. Well, what was Egypt known for at that time? It was their education, which we know God used Moses who put him in that place to use his education to lead those people out. Anyway, that brings us now back to Revelation. And Mm -hmm. we see that there is this idea and this need and this drive for knowledge. Yeah. And so all of that, to be said, brings us back to religion, Mm -hmm. politics, and education all had an underlying thread that was pulling on them. Yeah. And it was pagan worship. Exactly. It was the spirit of air. Mm-hmm. It, it was the ideas and, and the sin and the anger and the violence. See what was going on in diet. Uh, just old that evil <laughs> idol. I can't remember the name of right now. Dionysius. Dionysius. Thank you. <laughs> that old Dionysius there that was being uh, used in religion was being used in politics. Yes. And is being used in education. And, and, and do you remember when there was uh, whatever that was passed that um, was about the transgender or gay marriage? That's what it was. And they lit up the White House. Yeah, with the flag. With the flag, with, with the with the, the rainbow colors, mm-hmm. they lit that up. Um, Does that not speak volume? It, it speaks volume. And, and um, I think that our world today is being really fed a whole lot of hell's lies about what you know, what a man is, what a woman is, and all of well, that Well, and to speak on to the terms of education is that for years, universities were known as, I don't care what your background is, I don't yeah. care what you believe, we're here to find knowledge. Yeah. And now the idea is, I don't care where you've came from, I don't care what you believe, you're going to believe what I say. Yes. And, and we've had it with our kids that have gone to universities that mm-hmm. have been, you know, 
basically uh, witness firsthand that, you know, if you do not, it's not a, a changing of ideas. It is not a, you know, it's let's brainwashing. think of, it, it is a brainwashing and it is part of this Pergamon problem. You know, the battle that Pergamon faced is America is facing today. We are asked the question today, who are you going to worship? Are you going to compromise? Are you going to give in? Um, you know, government is quickly becoming the state religion. Self uh, is now the modern day Zeus that sits on the throne of me. And education, you know, many universities today are nothing more than secular or pagan temples. Absolutely. Uh, pleasure, the unrestraint and pursuit of pleasure has now become an idol of worship. So, and then we see this in this transgender movement in the in the basis and, and the groundworks of everything within the LGBTQ plus whatever they've got to add mm-hmm. is that we are doing this for ourselves. Yeah. This is so I can find my pleasure. I can find my pursuit. I can find who I am. This what is all makes for me, me feel good. What makes me feel good. Yeah. I feel like I should be a woman because it makes me feel good. No, you're just silly. That's that's <laughs> well, the nicest way I could put it. it. That's that but, that is an But that's what the basis of it. But it's what is feeding that and driving that. Mm-hmm. They think it's them. Yes. They think it is them. Yes. And God help. Because it is not, and I know there are people that suffer, genuinely suffer from gender dysphoria, genuinely suffer from attractions to same sex, Mm -hmm. and they have overcome it just as much as a a, a man that had a problem with pornography overcomes it. Right. Okay? Overcomes it. You can. There is freedom in Jesus' name. Right. But in in this whole compromise world that we're living in, we have to ask ourselves, do I buy that? Do I accept that? Do mm-hmm. I watch that? Do I read that? Do I agree with that? Do I follow that? Uh, you know, it, well, and that ties in like we we've made so many connections to Hollywood yeah. and we were so thankful for the people that are willing to step out and use their faith and use a platform and build things exactly. that are better. But then that also I'll tell you what, whenever we've been going through this series, mm-hmm. Of course, we're always on alert with things that we allow into our system and into our homes, obviously. But I, it's almost like I've been able to add a filter yeah. through this because yes. I see, oh, what vessels and what avenues were they using yes. back then that I can find in TV shows or and, I can find in music. And, and, and I've witnessed this. If you ask God, show me the Antichrist spirit that's manifested in this particular show, mm-hmm. he will do it yep. now. It can be that it is a clean show, but if you'll watch, let and see, there's that, something in there. Then the next thing is turn it off. Yep, and move on. Yep, because that's where compromise can start. Is that it comes into our filter? This didn't start where we are today, right? Overnight, it started back years and years and years. And I years will tell ago. you this: one of the greatest eye-opening statements that I heard came from a very good friend in Nate Whitley. He was preaching one time, and he said, what we laugh at, we will soon come to and agree with. Mm-hmm. And you watch it. Yep. You watch it. In the 80s and 90s, what was a selling point for comedy? It was homosexuality. Yeah. It was guys kissing guys. You watch Bugs Bunny. He was kissing dudes. And people were laughing at it. Mm. Ha ha. It was so funny. And then it started, and then it became acceptable in modern-day culture. 
Then it was going into transgenderism, mm-hmm. people changing, dressing as women. That was funny. Mm-hmm. Hardy, har, har. It was a big comedy skit. Now what do you see? It's not. And it's so true. Yeah. What people laugh at, they yeah. will soon agree with and follow. Sure, sure will. And so that brings us all back. <laughs> right? Now we're ready to start the letter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, now we're getting into scripture. Yes. So that brings yeah. us all back to the battle. Thank you for hanging with us. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, you know, we're just here for the ride. Yes. So this is the battle. What is the battle? It's truth or it's compromise. Exactly. That is what Pergamum is facing. That's what the church in Pergamum is facing. Yeah. Are we going to follow truth? Or are we going to compromise? That's it. This early church was not persecuted because they were Christians, right? Yeah. This was a place that accepted all religions. Yeah, that that was the whole thing is that, you know what? The world doesn't care. The devil doesn't care if you call yourself a Christian as long as you don't say. As long as you don't be a Christian. Yeah, as long as you don't say that Jesus Christ is the only mm-hmm. way. We have a good friend that preached a message just recently and was talking about that Jesus Christ was on the only way and a denomination got a hold of it and just blasted him yep. for it because he said Jesus Christ is he the spoke only truth. Way. Once yeah. you start preaching truth and once you start exactly. speaking truth, then you'll start getting attacks. And that's where the compromise comes in to try to get Absolutely. It. So they were persecuted not because they were Christians or said they were Christians. They were persecuted because they believed that Jesus was the only way to be saved. Mm-hmm. Again, it's because they acted and preached the truth. Amen. It wasn't, you know what, just because you got a cross hanging from your neck does not mean you are living right. That's true. And just because I hold a Bible in my hand does not mean I'm living what the Bible says. Once you start speaking truth and preaching truth and living truth, then you're going to get persecuted. So what idol will you worship? We become what we worship. We will. That is, that speaks volumes. That's so true in today's culture. Amen. Do I buy that? Do I accept it? Do I watch it? Do I read it? Do I follow it? Do do I go to college? Do I do this? Do I do that? It may have, you know, we, we go back to, you know, do what do I do? Do I watch this? Because could it have been offered up to idol? What was, what was the inspiration behind yeah. this? Perhaps, you know what? I'll tell you this right now. I disagree with any horror movie. That's just a personal conviction that I have. I will never watch a horror movie or allow anyone in my house to watch it because I will tell you right now what has inspired those. And and David, I think that ought to be the stance of every God-fearing Christian is that why do I have to... I didn't even mention this. There's a festival of Dionysus that was called the Night of the Undead. Huh. That the dead would come back Zombies and visit. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, don't let things. Why tempt it? Here, here's something. Why stick your hand in the here's, flame? Here's something is that you know what we're talking about. People say, "Well, you're just a fuddy duddy. You're just a killjoy." No, I know what the demon is behind it. Mm-hmm. I know it may you look. You can't tell me like, people like Simon or uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, I can't. Stephen King. You can't tell me someone like Stephen King does not have something speaking to him at night that can write the evil that he writes or these people that come up with these movies. It is just pure evil. You cannot tell me that they're not influenced by something. Somewhere there is a darkness. And it doesn't have to be just that. Yeah. It's like, again, we could beat this dead horse all we want, but watch what you watch. 
Watch what you watch. And we have been just dealing with the culture. We've not even got to the letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a powerful thing in itself. Right, right. So, and, and, and even goes you know, back to education. Do I go to college? Should I let my kids go to college? Exactly. That's such a question. I'm a youth pastor. I deal with youth all the time. That's what I get. I've got a big group of kids about to go to, you know, age out, and they're going to be at that time where do I go to college? You, and you, that, that that's such a hard thing to do. Yeah, and and so that's a question you got to pray. Do I claim Christianity and still be loyal to the state official state religion of self and secular education yep. and so called silent science, or do I follow along with sexual practices of the culture? Do I do what they say? Do I do what the crowd says? Do I just blend in? Do I just follow everything that they say or do I stand out and stand for truth? Satan was enthroned in every pagan idol temple at Pergamum, right? Every one of them. His his dirty little paws were in every pie and every religion in Pergamum. He is now enthroned in many universities, politics, entertainment, education. Again, we're going to say it because it's so true. It was not the professors, priests, or potentates that held authority over the minds of the Asians. It was Satan. Yes. Because, and it's the same way today. And we'll find out later on that 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 Jesus, even right into Pergamon, says, I know where Satan's seat is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will refer to that as the possibility of being the temple of Zeus because of the temple of Zeus, the, the throne that Zeus sits on, was huge. And there are so many aspects to this that I think we need to dive deeper. And I, I, I don't, there's no way we're going to get this in in this particular podcast because we're already at our hour point in here. Right. And, you know, we're not even to the letter. But I think that what we shared had to be shared. Right. I think it, it, we have to hear that what we're battling today is a demonic force that has been at play right. thousands of years ago. It's been working. Sometimes it had to go underground because of awakenings and revivals. Right. Don't mistake this. That silly thing that happened at the Grammy. Mm-hmm. And I mean silly by being pagan. Idolatrous. That's the nicest thing we could say. That's, yeah, you know, and I have something what to say about that. You know, you shouldn't be watching the Grammys anyway. Somebody say amen. Mm-hmm. But that that thing happened. Right. And God still, in the very few days after that, started moving in an awakening at a colleges, but uh, college campuses you all across. You just said it right there. Yeah. Where did he start moving? Where the paganism is Where paganism is, is rampant. Yeah. He's mo- he said, okay, devil, you can have your five minutes of glory yeah. there yep. on your Grammys because it was, and I'll just say this, it was the lowest ranked uh, viewed Grammys in, in Hollywood history. Duh. Duh. Because people are sick and tired of it. So yeah. what he said, okay, I see what vessels you're using. I'm going to go there and have one of the greatest yes. revivals in modern day. Yes. Which is which is powerful. It's so powerful. All that stems from is just Jesus. Yeah. It's Jesus. And some hungry kids that are sick and tired mm-hmm. of, of this of world. The mess. Of this world. Of the mess. Yeah, in the in the spirit that that we're talking about in some of this. Right. So that leads us to Again, that was a hunger for Jesus. And what's the first thing that is spoken to the church in Pergamum? It's the presentation. It's the revelation of Jesus. Of who Jesus is. Right, yeah. right. And so in Revelation 2 and 12, he says this, And to the angel of the church in Pergamus write, These things saith he which hath the, 
again, we're, we're going to emphasize this. The sharp sword with two edges. You know, okay, what is Jesus going to reveal himself to right. in a town full of paganism, mm. demonic influence? Right. What is he going to say? He's going to cut deep. Hey. Hey. hey, you know, it, it, and and this is it. Yeah, he's not going into anything further nope. than this. This is what I need to say. Nope, Jesus doesn't play games at this point. No, he's, he's not. Uh, pardon me for the pun, but he's cutting through the mess. Yes, he is. He's cutting right through it with this message to Pergamum. The answer to compromise is the sharp sword with two edges. Okay. Okay, you're battling compromise. He's just giving us the right. answer. Exactly. It's the sharp sword. I'm going to be sorry because I'm going to get my tongue tied. I can tell you, sharp sword, two edges. That's going to be fun to say yeah, a lot. it's going to be a fun. <laughs> anyway, so a sharp two-edged sword is the symbol of absolute authority. Mm-hmm. And Romans and Greeks knew that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of hurt them. Ooh. Mm. Mm. This is how he addresses the city of authority. This mm-hmm. is how he addresses the place where Satan's seat was. Mm-hmm. Roman. You are not the official authority. I am. Yeah. That's what, that's what Jesus is saying. Yeah. He said, Romans estimated the sword as the symbol of the highest order official authority. Yeah. So when they said, when when Jesus says this, that he, he, he is the sharp sword with two edges. Yes. They know not only was he cutting through the mess, but it's the sword. He stands there above all else. He, he says, I am the authority. And that's what he told John beginning in Revelation 1 and 16, where he said that uh, that he revealed himself that out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. That means the word, the word is the authority. The word. He has authority, and that's what Satan hates. And he attacks the word and attacks the word from the garden right, right. until so, today. So back before the garden, why was Satan upset? He was upset because someone had authority and he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. And so that's all this is about. Yeah. The whole story mm-hmm. before man ever existed to right now, mm-hmm. from beginning of time to now, right now in this time, that's what this battle's been about. Oh, well, the word of God and truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's been about. It's been about God standing uh-huh. with truth. Yeah. No compromise. And it's been the adversary picking at everything that God's trying to stand for. Trying to sh- chip away at mm-hmm. it. And the writer of Hebrews, of course, said that that familiar verse, and I know all of you that are listening, if you're you know, s- students of Scripture, is the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than right. any two-edged sword. Mm. What is he saying is that my authority, my word, mm. it's is, top. Is, is above all. Right. It's above all, powerful. Amen. The one who has the sword, this two-edged sword, destroys imaginations. Mm-hmm. It cuts down high things, and I'm saying that in quotations, yeah. that exalts themselves against the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God mm-hmm. to the pulling down, casting sure. down right. of strongholds. So it's, it's, it's about his word contradicting the word of the enemy. Right, right. And you have to think Rome was known for their warfare. Yeah. I mean, you think of, of Spartans and you, you think of, of these Roman soldiers. They knew yeah. what the sword would represent. They, they know they about the power of yeah. the sword. So Jesus is 
standing there in the midst of this, all of this chaos, all of this confusion, all of this yelling, all of this paganism and idolatry and rampant and transgenderism, transgenderism, and he says, I am the sword. I'm the sword. And My I am word sharper matters. than a two-edged sword. And so he literally just, yeah, and says, stop the mess. Yeah. I'm in authority. I'm in authority. You don't have to compromise. I'm the true authority. Mm-hmm. And and it's beautiful that Jesus, the one yielding the sword, reveals himself in Scripture as the true prophet. Right. That mm-hmm. means knowledge and education. Absolutely. He stands above all. Right. He is the faithful priest. That means that worship. Mm-hmm. He stands above all. Right. He is the only wise king. Right. The only wise God. The king of glory. He stands above. His government is above all. Right. And and it's so crazy to see because we've said it time and time and time again. Satan cannot create anything. No. He cannot create. He's got to counterfeit. And so he counterfeits everything that Jesus everything. is. Like yeah. what you said, he's the true prophet. So what does he use? He uses the knowledge that Jesus stands for and then tries to pervert it. And that's where we get our universities. Where Jesus stands as the faithful priest then mm-hmm. Satan goes and creates false religions and false tries religion. to pervert religion. And then when Jesus says he is the only king, then he says, okay, well, then I'm going to try to create governments that falsify that and yeah. that try to try to pervert that. Ultimately leading to the one world government. Exactly. Yeah. So how do we fight that? Yeah. How do we fight compromise? How do we do that? We, we get the sword out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. What's... Oh, it's so powerful and it's so encouraging. The the sword that Jesus uses, mm-hmm. right, that comes out of his mouth, mm-hmm. he gave to us. He sure did. He gave it to us. Yes. You and me, Dad. You and me that honestly, and I'm not trying to say this to be belittling, we don't mean anything. We, Our word doesn't. No, Mm-mm. we don't mean a thing. But he gave us the most powerful weapon ever created that's why when he fought satan every time as it, it is written it is written it is written it is written and also uh, uh, paul writes it to the church at ephesus and he says be sure to take unto you the sword of the spirit mm-hmm. which is the word of god right so when you combine but we the can't spirit just have and the, the word, word that's what brings the power. Right. But we can't just have the word. No. I just because I have a Bible that has my name on it does not mean anything. Mm-mm. You've got to speak it. You got to speak, speak it. Speak the word, speak Absolutely. the name, speak the king. Believe it. Speak the truth. Pergamum was the only church that mentions Jesus as having a sword. Mm-hmm. Why? Cuz it was the seat of governmental power in that region. Yeah. Jesus was He was hitting it, showing hitting his Jehovah on. power there. And we've seen this in every church letter. And, and if we will pay attention to the revelation statements, the, the presentation of Jesus Christ, every one of them nails the issue mm-hmm. of that church or yep. whether it's battling whatever it's outside or inside. Right, right. So in Revelations 2 and 13, he says, I know thy works mm-hmm. and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. Such a powerful phrase mm-hmm. right there. Such a powerful phrase. And thou holdest fast my name. Mm-hmm. And has not denied my faith. Pergamum, you've been doing good. Mm-hmm. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who mm-hmm. was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. Mm-hmm. Jesus knew the culture of idolatry that infected that city. Yes, the seed of Satan. Yeah. He yeah. knew what was going on there. Yeah. He knew that they were what they were up against. He knew what kind of evil yes. was brewing in there. 
There's nothing that goes through the eyes and hands of God that he doesn't know about. Mm-hmm. One thing to know, Jesus can have a church on fire even in the city where Satan's seat is. Now, that, that's mind-blowing. You know, I've heard people say, well, they'll never be able to build a church here, or they'll never be able to have a church there. And he said, eh, I put one where Satan's seat is. Mm. <laughs> that brings me to the scripture that comes to the top of my head in the psalmist, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Amen. It does not matter what is going on around me. I will have peace. Yes. I can sit there because God has prepared a table before me. And that is a that is a powerful strategy against compromise. Peace. Mm-hmm. Peace. Because he's with us. And he identifies what the enemy, you know, God is very much aware of what's going on. He's very much aware of what Satan is up to. And so he put us here at this time to deal with it. And he's given us power to handle it. And he's given us the same weapon, the very same weapon Jesus used at the beginning of his ministry in the, in the 40 days that he fasted in the wilderness, the very same yes. weapon he used against Satan himself, mm. he has given to us. What peace that comes with that? Yeah, it it, it is it is powerful, and you know uh, when we when you consider the fact that Jesus said, "I know where Satan's seat is." Mm-hmm. That word in the Greek, that word "seat" means throne or power. So what Jesus is saying is, that "I know where the counterfeit power is. Mm. I know where the counterfeit rule is." Right. I know where the counterfeit dominion is. I know where the hostile government is. It wasn't Rome. Right. It wasn't the people of Pergamon. Right. It was that seat mm-hmm. of authority. And he said, that kingdom of darkness, I know where you are. And so so he comes to bring us victory. The rule of Satan had manifested itself in the Roman Empire as the enemy of Christ and the cross, his church. And there's three ways that he does it. Civil government, state religion, and cultural education. Right. And he still does it today. Right, right. And he also says, I know your works. I know your works. Jesus knows the truth. I got my eye on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's also reassuring. He knows what the enemy's up to. Yeah. He knows what they're doing. But in the midst of chaos, he, he knows where I'm at. And, and he knows I'm there. And what's the revelation that he gives us? I'm the one that's got the two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, I know them. Yep. I know where they're at. I know what they've got. Yeah. I know where you're at. That's right. He, and I hold the weapon. You know, he 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 is like the the incredible uh story of those that uh that looked like they were the 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 defeated one. But he wasn't. Yeah. But he wasn't. Exactly. Well, then, then he turns to the problem. Right. Okay, that's the presentation. Then he begins to give the problem that's happening in Pergamon. And we're going to break this down a little bit more. In verse 14, he says, but I have a few things against thee. Ooh, that's that's that sneaky <laughs> left hand Jesus <laughs> likes to throw up there. Uh, here, here's the sword. Here, I know where Satan's seed is. He said, but I've got something against you because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam. You got people in your church who are teaching the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. And so he says, This is the problem. 
Now, here is what you must do. Repent, change your mind, get rid of them, get rid of that doctrine, or else I will come unto you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. I'll turn that sword on you. Right. Wow. Lest you repent. Uh, so we have here some are holding on to false doctrine. Right. And, and that leads us to, to two specific things two that he speci- talks about. Yeah, the doctrine. There's two major things that he brought up in the phrase. This is what is being allowed in the church. Right. They've got the temples and the pagans. That's on the outside. Dionysus on the outside. That's the battle without. So that then what does the enemy do? He brings the battle on the inside, and the doctrine of Balaam begins to be teach. Balaam was hired by Balak, king of Moab, to pronounce curses on Israel in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Balaam is then a type of all false prophets right. and corrupt teachers that try to lead God's people astray and into disobedience. Balaam combined the sin of sexual perversion and idolatry to make Israel stumble. He did not have a way to get to Israel to curse them until he got them wrapped up in idolatry and sexual perversion. The the doctrine of Balaam is exactly that of the doctrine of devils. And that doctrine is it's okay to participate in idol worship and immoral acts and still be a Christian. Right. The doctrine of Balaam accepts and supports and promotes sexual perversion and still goes to church. Right. Sexual perversion, we said this earlier, is rendered confusion in in the Bible. The word is confusion. It means a diverting from the true intent or purpose, a change to something that changes it to worse. Okay, what the original was, and then it, it is not the original. It is something else. That is the word perversion. Now, people are given another names today, but the Bible gives it perversion. Right. Well, and the complete definition of perversion is to change the meaning of something. Yeah, exactly. It's to ch- flip it. Yeah, to, 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 to transit. To make it askew. Yeah. Is what it means. Yeah. And so the, the doctrine of Balaam, it's interesting. You remember we all laugh about this, that Balaam was the one, and we're going to read the scripture here in a minute, but uh, I tell you what, let me just read that. Let me just read this. Because in Second Peter 2, 15, it talks about the doctrine of Balaam uh, in this way. It says, which have forsaken the right way and gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Basor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Money. Money. That love money. That, you know, I think about people that, you know, they, they, they stand on such high moral ground, but they'll take money from China. Mm-hmm. No, um, they'll take that but money I, was I, from ill-gotten gains. <laughs> I won't, I won't, I won't. I won't cover the NBA. Oh, uh, did I say that? That come right out, didn't it? I don't even know, I don't know what know that is anymore. That. Yeah. But but he was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass, the Whoa, dumb donkey. Hey. Whoa. <laughs> I, I read the KJ's version. Yeah, Hold he's on. A, hey. What did you call him? <laughs> the dumb donkey speaking with man's voice. Oh, come on. If you're going to read KJV, you got to say it. Forbade the madness of the prophet, that is Balaam. <laughs> so the donkey <laughs> This dumbass speaking with man's voice forbid the madness of the prophet. 
Lord, we need to go to prayer. That's Bible. These that are is. wells without water. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> with the tempest to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. I knew when I put this in the notes, I thought, uh, hey, there's a reason it's go, in the Bible. <laughs> this could go very, very uh, much down the I just drain. found another scripture I might quote more often. <laughs> Anyway, but anyway, anyway, for for when they speak great swelling words of vanity, those that believe the doctrine of Balaam, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that can that were clean escape from them who live in error. While they, this is it, the doctrine of Balaam. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are servants of corruption. Mm. And I, I'm going to quit reading there. And so the doctrine. There's a lot of things going right there. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on, but it's telling us the spirit of Balaam is, eh, go ahead, sleep with that one. Come on to church, lift your hands. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. Go ahead. You know, you you, you want to you do this? Go ahead and do that. You want to worship this God and that God, and you want to worship self? Go ahead and worship self, and then come to church and worship God for 30 minutes. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. But that's the doctrine of Balaam. <sighs> That's a doctor. Then he said the second one that it was a problem is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. Mm-hmm. Nicolaitans. Jesus praised the church of Ephesus for detesting yeah, the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Right, right, right. It's powerful when Jesus says he hates that. Yes. That's that's your ears Detested. ought to perk yeah. and and listen up for what he's saying there. Yeah. If he hates it, we should hate it. Exactly. And he did talk about the deeds of the Nicolaitans. He, he didn't was, say the Nicolaitans. He, he said it was their deeds. Their deeds. I hate the right. what I hate what they're doing. I hate what that that doctrine is causing them to do. Right. And, be, and he condemned some of the church of Pergamum for embracing this this damnable doctrine, right? Right. I mean, and the title Nicolaitans has the idea of a proud authority and a hierarchical separation. Yeah. Separatism. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. You know, and what is that? Pergamon's got a problem with power. They got a problem with power and power. authority. It's the culture bleeding into the church. Exactly. Culture should never influence the church. Church influences culture. Amen. That's what the truth should be. And the Nicolaitans did not do that. And there is a lot of people today, just to get into this quickly, and we'll, we'll move on, because there's some people that believe that the Nicolaitans got their start from uh, Nicholas, one of the original uh, deacons in the book of Acts, but there is actually very little that I could find to support that. The main thing is, let's see what is what, it, what we can find out about what they taught, and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans taught something that is very prevalent today, mm-hmm. and that is grace is a license to sin. Grace is a license right. of sin. I can do it because his grace is sufficient. It, it covers that's, me. That's what they think. You know, people today call that, uh, I've heard preachers call this kind of doctrine greasy grace or hyper grace, right. that I can live how I want to live because I'm covered by grace. And so they participated. The Nicolaitans said you can participate in these um, festivals, uh uh, and, and of these pagan gods, you can go to these things and you can do these things and, and, and you know, go there where demons are worshiped and lives are ruined and people are even died. Right. Well, and grace is important. Let us not say that because it is, it, it's, so, it's essential. You know, we, I like grace so much. I married it, you know, uh, 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 uh. but 
it gets to a point when that is the only thing that is being spoken from behind the pulpit, mm-hmm. there might be a problem. Well, grace also has a holiness side of it. It does. Because grace teaches us to live godly and soberly in the present world. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's a messed up doctrine. It's a devil doctrine. It is. It's perverting exactly what God was trying to say. Yeah. You know, I refer again to the book by Paul Ellis in, entitled Letters from Jesus. And he said, the first century idol festivals were not cultural shows put on for the benefit of selfie-snapping tourists. Mm. They were debauched spectacles manifest in every sort of depravity known to man. Evil. Yeah. They began with prayers to demons and degenerated into drunken orgies and violence. For instance, during Dionysian festival of Catagogia, masked men would run through the streets, cracking heads with clubs. Goodness. This idol worshiper shed blood with religious fervor, killing innocent people at will. He said, Timothy, the bishop of Ephesus, apparently tried to stop one of these mobs and was beaten to death for interfering. And he quotes the source for that. But I can just simply say that, that that the doctrine of the Nicolaitans said, go do this, come back to church, and grace will cover you. Go riot on Saturday night, and then Sunday come yeah, get grace go for Go party on, on Friday and Saturday, come to church, and grace, grace will cover you. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. No, it is not. It's for the honest people that need it. Well, well, grace covers us. Don't water down the grace that we need. Absolutely. and but Grace covers us, but it's not a license to sin. It is not. And, and uh, you know, grace covers us because we need it, and we're going to make a mistake, but we repent from that. Right. And Jesus says, go and sin no more. Grace is the teacher. But what's so hard, again, the question in the battle was truth or compromise. Yeah. Do we stand on what Jesus is saying, yeah. or do I do what could feel good at the moment is? I can sin, mm-hmm. be perverted, do whatever I want. And then and then get grace, and I'm saying Cover it. th- it's a false grace that it they is. receive. It's a hyper grace. It's a greasy grace. Exactly. So so the question is, for Pergamum, can you be a Christian and still practice pagan worship and immorality? That's the question they're faced with. That would be compromise. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, and and that's the questions we're being faced today. You know, we're being faced, in, and 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 I know we have talked a lot about the. Um, the alphabet soup uh, Babylon's brew a lot, but how about the question of having multiple no-fault divorces and remarriages? Mm-hmm. I can be a Christian. I can divorce at a whim. There is enough scripture to tell you that that there is only a, f- a very small window for approval of divorce and remarriage. Absolutely. And be still be a Christian. Mm-hmm. No fault divorces, just just I'm gonna swap partners. I'm right. going to, you know, I'm gonna leave this one and I, and so forth and so on. Uh, you know, can you sleep around before marriage and still be a Christian? That's what the Nicolaitans was saying. Right? Yeah, yeah, you can yeah, do you that can. as long as you get grace compromise. For it. Mm-hmm. Compromise. And, That's you know, not at that point. It's not repentance. It's no. saying you're sorry you got caught. Can you worship the God of greed? Can you worship the God mm. of power? Can you worship the gods of this world and still be a Christian? No. 
But the Nickelodeon said you'd do it. What, what, I feel like you're getting into a vein here with these questions. And, and yeah. so I want to say this to anyone out there. If, if you're following a, a certain preacher, a denomination, anything, ask yourself these questions on how that person, that pastor, that denomination, whatever, that yeah. religion, how they would answer these questions. Yeah. And that would tell you where they stand. I, and I'm, I'm going to probably get this all um, out of um, English lineup as far as verbs and adjectives and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I speak English for a living, but I am not an English scholar. wish I was. But when a person says, I am a gay Christian, they are actually modifying gay before Christian. Mm. They, we are, we, we must be a Christian first and foremost. Right. There is no hyphenations. It's a, at that point, it is an oxymoron. Yeah, it, it, it just doesn't work. You know, we, 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 we ask that question, can you be in a same-sex marriage relationship and be a Christian? No. No. Neither can you be in an adulterous relationship no. and, and still be a Christian. Neither can you be bound by pornography and not mm-hmm. not seeking liberation. Now, grace can cover every one of these right. sins. Absolutely. Every right. one of these Absolutely. sins. But then we walk away and walk in the power of the Spirit. Here's the thing, and you hit it really on the nose uh, right from the get, is that when you see people say those types of things, is that, they say, I'm a gay Christian. And you said they put their sexuality before they put God. Yeah. That would be like saying. I'm a transgender Christian. Yeah, I'm an adulterer Christian. Yeah. I, I, I That's am putting a, your sin before I'm an, God. I'm an abusing Christian. Okay, so then, okay, mm-hmm. you're placing your idol before God yeah. is what you're doing. What are we going to say? I'm a pedophile Christian? Yeah. That's where we're headed. Right. But see, the Nicolaitans would say yes to all of that, mm-hmm. and and no to very little. But these are also the type of people that were getting tithes and offerings from people that were getting uh, ill-gotten gains. Yes, but we see this today—the greasy grace mm-hmm. of you know, I can go do this and I can go mess up, and there's no consequence. And, and and so you know, Charles Spurgeon said it I love like that this. Author. Yeah, he's pretty cool. He said, "Quote cannot." Every truth be perverted? Is there a single doctrine of Scripture which graceless hands Mm. have not twisted into mischief? Is there not an almost infinite ingenuity in wicked men for making evil out of good? Wow. You know, I I can't be guilty, David, of perverting Scripture. I don't have the right. To, to just simply decide that this is my way of thinking. I have to do what Paul said to Timothy, rightly divide mm-hmm. the word of truth. Well, what kind of place do we think we can put ourselves? We talked about how powerful yeah. this word is. We talked about how amazing this word is. Mm-hmm. Then, then you understand about well, we, simple things like the parchment it was written on, yeah. back when it was created, how it lasted through Years, thousands of years, this word, and how powerful that is. Very important. What kind of dummy do we think we can be to take any word out of this book? Add to or take away is what he said. Exactly. What do we think? Yeah. What kind of idiot thinks they can do that? Who do you think you are that you can 
misconstrue what God is That's saying. That's pretty arrogant. It is pretty arrogant of a society to say for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, mm-hmm. men have been men and women have been women. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to change that because we are better. Yeah. Who do we you know? think you are? That's arrogant. You know, uh, there's a scripture um, in, in, in Jude. And if you get that before you, yep. Jude verse yep. 4, if you get that before, read that. Because it really yeah. so, funnels this down. So for there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Listen to this. Turning the grace of mm-hmm. our God into lasciviousness. That that that, that defines word, it. That word is that defines lust it. and fornication. Perverts perversion. It. Perversion, yes. Go ahead. Turning the grace of our God into, can I say, perversion. Yes. And denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, if you take grace and pervert it to practice things like the Nicolaitans allowed, you're also denying who Jesus is. You're denying his sacrifice. You're denying what he did for us, and that's real grace that, coming into your That goes your life. back to what he said in Revelations 2 when he says he's the sword and he's the authority. Yep. If you follow the Nicolaitans, which I hate, yeah. and you follow that of Balaam, yeah. you're not saying I'm the authority. Mm-hmm. You're saying that I'm optional. Yes. You're saying that I, 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 I'm, I'm an excuse. I know better. Yeah. You know. What, what was that that Satan said? Yeah. Whenever he was tr- trying to glorify himself, I will be exalted above. I'll exalt myself. Yeah. I. Oh, oh. Yeah, I. Well, what's what's all the agenda between this Babylon brew, like you say? Mm-hmm. I. I. My feelings are the most important. Exactly. How My I mindset. feel. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's mm. that's weird. And let me let me. I'm going to get personal, and I'm going to be sharing a couple stories that have happened in my ministry. I've changed the names, um, but it exemplifies how this can happen. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you about a situation that, that I, you know, in my ministry had come in contact with. Uh, I'm going to call him Carl. Carl's having an affair with Amy. Mm-hmm. Both of them are married to other people. Both are involved in ministry, attend the same church. They worship like nothing is wrong. Carl delivers sermon after sermon while they are maintaining an adulterous affair in church. The revelation of the affair sent shockwaves through the church and ultimately brought it to its knees. You know, the people were devastated. Lives were damaged. Yet the guilty couple said this, what we did was the will of God because it was so good in that we were able to serve and able to minister. It surely can't be wrong. The question needs to be asked, who told you that? Who told you? Was it your feelings, or was it the doctrine of the Nicolaitans? That brings me that just that phrase. That question reminds me of what God said to Adam. Yeah. When He said, "We covered ourselves because we're naked." Yeah. Who, Who told, told you that? Who told you? And that's the question for this generation. Who told you this? Mm-hmm. Who told you you were a man or? or but you think you're a woman. Who told you that? Where did it come from? Because it didn't come from God. It did not come from God. Let me let me just share with you a couple more because I want to bring to light. And by the way, those that couple that I told you about were spirit-filled 
people. Uh, there's another one. There's a pastor. I'm just going to call him Pastor Ryan. Founded a church in Seattle only later to embrace the homosexual lifestyle. And this so-called evangelical pastor stated this, I don't care what the Bible says on the issue. Mm. He further stated it was a move of the spirit that caused him to rethink his stance on homosexuality. It was a move, okay, but it wasn't the move of the Holy Spirit. I was about to say it was a move of a spirit, Mm. not the spirit, Yep, a spirit. Uh, let me share with you one more, and then I'm, I'm going to move off this. I just want to show you how the spirit of Nicolaitans is working today. Again, names have changed. Sarah appeared to be in a committed, uh, a very committed apostolic young lady. She worked hard in the church. She had a ministry. She was committed to her church. She looked the part. Uh, she was a good, modest believer by all signs. Yet Sarah was living with a lesbian lover, another girl who attended the same church. One day, the relationship was exposed. It all blew up and everything come tumbling down. Yet, even after all of that, Sarah was convinced that God sanctioned her lifestyle. Why? Because God used her in ministry. Mm. Gifts do not equal government. No. And a lot of people think because I'm being used or because of this, I can, I, I'm okay. No, that's the spirit and the doctrine of devils of Nicolaitans. And no wonder the Lord said, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Right. Yeah. Well, Paul provided a warning against those who, and I said, who handled the word of God deceitfully. Yes, he did. That That's from second Corinthians four and two. We're called to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Mm hmm. And properly handle the word of God as the manifestation of truth. We need you know, to be careful. You know what? There's yeah. a reason why we have this book. There is. There's a reason the words are in it. There's a reason why every word is written in it. Yep. There's a reason why. There are some things. Now, some things we got to go dig and we got to go discover. We got to put in context. Why Why are the churches really standing out to us? Well, now that we've done some digging. Digging. Uh, it's really kind of opened your eyes. But it's changed my, like the study of Pergamon, changed my thinking about compromise and truth. Mm-hmm. I can't afford to compromise if they didn't. And this was his strategy. This is God's strategy to the church. Repent. This is how you get rid of compromise. Repent, he said, are, and this is in verse 16, I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Right. He said, you're dealing with compromise? It's not complicated. There's not a whole lot that you have to do. You just got to repent. Right. And like I said before, repent is not saying you're sorry you got caught. No. Repent is changing your direction. Exactly. And and you've said this before, Dad, in preaching here at church, is that the British military know that word. Yes, they do. They know the word repent because when they're marching and the commander yells to repent, they do a 180-degree turn. And start marching the other way. In America, we would say, about face. Mm -hmm. Repent. It's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. Amen. So the solution for this church and its problems, number one, is the revelation of Jesus as being the only true, sharp, two-edged sword. His word is the final authority. His word is the source of truth. There is no other. That's the way we fight compromise is to get that in our spirit. Their choice was this. Either embrace a biblical-based world view of where they live and the culture they're in, or you embrace you embrace the pagan culture of the world and the mark of the beast. 
this is what I think is very important today and is no doubt a part of the mark of the beast. The same word the world thinks is weird, the same word of God, the same Bible, and you've been holding that book and shaking it today, the same word that they detest will be the word that judges them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, through time and time again, we've spoken about the thousands of years that this word has fought through. Mm-hmm. Adolf Hitler being one of the biggest ones that wanted to burn this word from every part of the world he could. Yeah, but he was a religious man, David. Uh, religious. <laughs> That's exactly right. But it's just so powerful. Yeah. The word will stand. And and let's wrap this up with this is the promise. What is the promise? Okay, the kingdom strategy leads us to the promise, and that's in verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says in the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna and will give him a white stone and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saveth he that receiveth. The church who refuses to compromise is giving these two distinct promises. One, you're going to eat from hidden manna, two, a white stone, and a new name is going to be given to you. Well, so so what, what, is this, what does this mean? The blessing of hidden manna is discovery. The blessing of hidden manna, unlike the manna that was in the wilderness, hidden manna doesn't decay. Pergamon, if you, if, if you will overcome compromising the false doctrine, if you will refuse to compromise truth, if you reject Satan's authority, you will get the true bread of heaven. Mm. That's waiting for you. That's hidden for you. It's coming there for you. Amen. And to me, I think that is powerful because what is the hidden bread? It's the authority of Scripture. It's the power of God. Then he said... It's the bread of life. It's the bread of life. And he said, I will give you a white stone and a new name. The white stone in Jewish culture was used in court to show innocence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. That speaks volumes. You've kept my name. You've kept my faith. Here's your white stone. Mm -hmm. I want one of these days to be able to say... Hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Mm-hmm. You know, I put in our notes, David, a quote from my brother uh, Van, who wrote a book on Revelation himself, a very interesting and, and uh, scholarly work. But take a minute and read that quote. So this is from my Uncle Van, and I quote, God's people are always to be a counterculture to that of the world around them. The desire for pagan recognition is the result of one's assumption that his identity is based on acceptance by those in the surrounding culture. I don't have to be accepted except by him. And when he gives me a a new name and a stone, he says, I accept you. Exactly. I accept you. He knows my name. He alone gives me my true identity. What's so powerful, again, Pergamum, dealing with this ideology of transgenderism what is it it's a they don't know who they are they don't they don't know their identity they don't so know who they, they're yeah they're casting out their rod to try to see what catches yeah and, and they don't know but jesus says if you just repent i'll show you your I'll identity you. oh that's powerful in innocence i'll show you your identity uh, and, and and david did this 
some of this stuff defies logic, mm-hmm. even carnal logic, because one day they're a, a he, another day they're a she, one day they're a they, and now we've got 70-plus pronouns of gender? Come on. What does that say? I don't know who I am. Right. I don't know who I am. What? And we've talked about uh, with, with our episode with Dr. Revely when we were speaking of false doctrine, mm-hmm. and he said the reason why so many false doctrines exist is because someone had a question and they didn't seek to find the answer. Didn't find the answer. Is that not true? That is with so this true. Gender dysmorphia idea mm-hmm. is that there are people. There was a generation yeah. crying out for answers, and they won't go and find them. Or, or somebody that was supposed to tell them didn't tell them. You know. That that to me is 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 troubling, amen. The world doesn't have a clue what your name is because it's going to be a a hidden name, and it's for each of you. That's yeah. what I loved about that yeah. that phrase is that he it's made for, it personal. It's personal, yes, amen. They they don't understand why we choose to refuse compromise. Yeah, it's that mob mentality. They don't understand it. It's because I'm walking with a with a hidden manna, with a word. I know who and I a am. new name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He knows me. He knows my name. Yes, he does. He knows where I am. Yes. And because he knows me, that's going to help me to know myself. In all of this, when we consider this uh, this trouble with identity, is that there's really only two ways we can find out who we are. By creation mm-hmm. or by recreation. Mm-hmm. By birth, our new birth. Yes, sir. For thousands of years, it has been stated you are what you are on your birth certificate. But when you're born again, right, you know who you are in Christ. Right. Now, pagan religion says we'll born you, you you'll get born again, but you're going to be not what you were assigned. Reincarnation you're gonna, or yeah, whatever. Yes. And um but, you know, since sin entered into the human family, man has wrestled with this identity. At, at we, the garden. Yeah. It's what they wrestled with. Yeah. He perverted and told Eve and Adam yes. that, hey, guess what? I could change your identity and make you gods. Yes. How, 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 how messed up was Adam and Eve? How messed up was the, the, the world and humanity after that? But to wrap this down to Pergamon, the message is Pergamum overcome false doctrine. Yes, they did. Pergamum overcome the teaching that caused things, uh, you know, you can do this, but God says you can't do this. Right. The doctrine of Balaam, the doctrine of Nicolaitans. Pergamum, here's your, your promise. I'll give you the true identity and your true bread. Amen. I believe that God can help us to overcome this this world, be an overcomer against compromise. I get sick of watching people that are walking away from the truth they once proclaimed to be gospel, and now they've walked away from it. I'm not talking about growth. I'm talking about compromise. And so, you know, I think it's important in this hour that we take a clue from Pergamon and the letter and say, this is a mess. But he said, if you have an ear to hear, Mm -hmm. you can overcome. Absolutely. There was a lot of things that Jesus told Pergamum to do. Sure. He said, basically, mark them, 
Yep. Identify where Satan's in his seat is. Know it. Use the word, that Amen. double-edged sword. This is the strategies. Held his name. Yes. Don't deny the faith. Yes. Reject the doctrine of Balaam and the Nicolaitans, mm-hmm. which Jesus hated, and repent. Get your direction right. Yep. That's how you overcome compromise. Well, this has been an interesting and a... Uh, uh, to me, it has just been so powerful to unpack some of these things mm-hmm. that we have seen in the culture, religion, the government. We have so much we could have covered more about the power of government and uh, even how government gets messed up. But the prophecy is, and of his kingdom, there shall be no end. No end. Mm-hmm. Amen. Don't compromise, my friend. Right. Don't give in to this world and its pressures. Keep holding on to truth. Keep holding on to righteousness. Absolutely. Keep holding on to true grace, grace that leads us to godliness today. Right. And we'll just say this to the leader out there who's struggling, me and dad got faith in you. Yeah. We love you guys. So uh, we hope that this has been impactful. It's been impactful to us. And so if that's all it is, then we're thankful for it. But if you would, please rate this like it, share it. We'd like to get this word out. We feel like this series of kingdom strategies can help some leaders out there that we may not be reaching. Mm -hmm. And through you helping us, you're helping the kingdom too. Yes. And so please like, share, subscribe, whatever. Just get the word out there. Absolutely. Because here at Kingdom Link, we believe that leadership only matters if it's passed on. Amen. And get ready for the next church. Mm-hmm. We're going to be moving on to Thyatira. It's going to be great. Type. See you there. God bless you. Have a good one.